0: Lord, everyone. Someone's praising the Lord back there. I can't hear anyone else, though. Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's amazing to think of how great our God is. Amen. He is so awesome to us, we can't even begin to imagine or explain how he could love us, and yet he does. I want to keep you standing for just a moment longer. But as uh, I introduce the message, I want to go ahead and let you turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. And then we'll go to Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. We're going to continue our wash series today. It'll be week two of our wash series. And as you can see, I am not Pastor A.J. Dummett up here. My name is Lisa Anderson, and I'll be speaking today. And I want to give honor to Pastor Dummett for allowing me to speak to you all today. And we're going to talk about being washed by obedience. So in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. We get introduced to a man named Naaman. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man. Someone say a great man. man. With his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but, someone say, but, but. He was a leper. This man was super powerful, very famous. And uh, he was a great man, but he was a leper. And in Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, it tells us, To bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let's go ahead and pray for this service. Thank you, Jesus, for another opportunity, God, to be in your presence, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for how your spirit is going to be moving in this place, Lord. Continue to move in us. Continue to change us, Lord. Don't let us leave this place unchanged. We'll give you all the glory and the honor for everything you're going to do in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we're talking about this guy named Naaman. This guy, he was an important man in the region of northeast, a region northeast of Israel. This was known as the region of Aram. Today we call it Syria. He was captain of the nation's army, a great man, highly regarded, and a valiant soldier, just like we read in verse 1. See, people paid attention to this man. He was someone like you would consider maybe a higher up in a company. He was someone in the military who was very highly ranked. People, uh, there was a short list of people that this man had to actually take orders from. He was prestigious in a way. People looked up to him. He was at the top of his career and carried himself as such. But, as we discussed, Naaman was a leper. This problem he had, he, he had this horrifying, socially isolating disease of leprosy. When he heard about a way he could be healed, he went straight to Israel. See, he knew, hey, if I can be healed, I'm going to do something about it. And he went straight to Israel and the thing is, he took enough horses with him. You'll read this in, uh, throughout the, uh, chapter, the rest of the chapter 5 there in 2 Kings. But he took enough horses with him, chariots, silver, gold. He had lots of changes of clothes. He was going to take all this stuff to be able to sway someone to make sure he got healed. See, he was trying to purchase his healing. But whenever uh, later on when he gets to the prophet Elisha, he, that prophet wouldn't accept payment. We ought to understand that the thing is for righteousness or a right relationship with God, we can't just pay for it. We can't do something to earn it. This is something that is a gift from God. No amount of money, influence, or power that we may have can sway God into giving us his grace. Amen? So let's get back to the story of Naaman before I get off on a tangent. It was actually a little girl from the land of Israel who told him that there was someone in Israel that could heal him. And whenever she said it, she specifically said, the prophet, you should go to the prophet. But instead of going to the prophet Elisha, Naaman went instead to the king. See, surely someone of Naaman's stature, he, he deserved a royal presence, right? So he goes to the king And he was uh, kind of disappointed because, of course, the king couldn't help him. The king didn't have the power there. The king wasn't um, close to God. So Elisha, the prophet, knew all this, and he sent for Naaman to come to him. Now this is great because now (laughs) Naaman's going to Elisha, but instead of Elisha giving him the time of day by coming out himself to talk to him, no, 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 Elisha sent his servant so, of course, Naaman might be a little disappointed there, too. Right. Naaman's over here like, look at me, look at my stature. Don't I deserve a little bit better than this? Right. And then it just gets worse. Because now Elisha told his servant to tell right. Naaman, go wash in the river. Right. Right. That would be okay. Yeah, I can see. I have an unclean disease. I'll wash and get clean. But he tells him specifically, go wash in the Jordan River seven times. Right. No payment necessary. All he had to do was obey. You got to understand, though, this river was nasty. Okay? You don't want someone with money, someone rich and powerful with prestige, going to this nasty river to wash in it. That's what maybe poor people would do. Plus, Naaman was thinking, why do I have to go to this river? There are plenty of other cleaner sources of water to go to. Naaman's pride was greatly offended at this trivial instruction instead of being told to do some great thing. See, he would have given so much money to be able to get his blessing. But having to go wash in a river, having to humble himself to go wash in a river, no, 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 he was too good for that. So he rode away angry. But with some convincing, he came back and he obeyed the strange commandment to wash in the Jordan River. And he was healed. When Naaman humbled himself to do just as the word was given, he was miraculously healed. And the healing came not because of the water. Remember, this water was nasty. It wasn't going to do anything for him. But the obedience is what caused him to be healed. Because Naaman obeyed the man of God, he was washed with obedience and healed with humility. Amen? So if you haven't caught it, quite yet today, we're going to talk about pride and humility. What it means to be washed by obedience. We have to humble ourselves, right? Right. Right. And this is something that affects every single one of us in here. From the front to the back, left to right, every one of us deals with pride in our lives. And can I tell you one of the most humbling positions you can be in? Youth pastor. Yes. For those of you who don't know, I am the youth pastor here at the Crossroads, and it is a humbling, humbling job. I highly recommend if you can ever be youth pastor, it will keep your pride in check. <laughs> for instance, about a month ago I was preparing uh, for uh, this message, at least trying to get the schedule right on who's teaching um, the youth in uh, class today, and I thought, ah, they can stay in here, that's fine, I mean, it's good to listen to your youth pastor talk, right? would love it. I I don't know if you guys have heard it, though. Whenever it's about Sunday afternoon, right about 3.50, 3.55, you'll hear this question. Hey, Lisa, are we going to have class today? Like every Sunday. I'm telling you, from here on out, listen for it, you'll hear it. (laughs) And of course, most of the time, say, yeah, of course, sure, yes. And I get the question a couple times, and it's great. But they want to check and make sure, because the kids love going to class. And I thought, man... Those young people, they just love hearing me, you know? They just, they just love hearing their youth pastor talk to them and teach them. So I asked them just sort of for fun about a month ago, hey, so would you guys be okay if like you stayed in service or would you rather go out and have class maybe with someone else? And would you know what they said? They wanted to be in class. <laughs> oh man, wow. So that was a good check to my pride. I have nothing to do with it, apparently. And that's totally okay. Also, being a youth pastor, you realize you're really not that cool. At all. So, with that, hopefully you see, maybe if uh, God calls you to youth ministry, I'm just warning you, you're going to learn how to be humble one way or another. And the funny thing about pride is, A lot of Christians see it as sort of this small sin. Like, oh, we can uh, brush this away. It's not too big a deal. I mean, it would be worse if I murdered someone, if I was an alcoholic. Yeah, people would frown at me about that. But pride, I can live with it. So in reality, this seemingly small issue in our lives can cause huge destruction. Let me explain. So a couple weeks ago, I came across this article... Um, thanks to my sister Shirley, hope she's watching on live stream. And I think it really drives this point home. So the article is entitled, Police, Man Sees Spider While Driving His Cadillac, Crashes Into Bus Shelter. Now those bus shelters are those things on the side of the road, you know, where people wait in for the bus. He crashed right through it. Now, it says a Sandusky, Ohio man, see it was in Ohio, that might tell us something. Just kidding, brother it. just kidding. A Sandusky, Ohio man was taken to a hospital Wednesday after crashing a car into a bus shelter when he spotted a spider in his car. The 21-year-old man, doesn't make things better for my generation, but the 21-year-old man was driving a 2003 Cadillac CTS when he saw the bug, hit a curb, and drove through a bus stop shelter on the side of the road. The man re-entered the road and stopped shortly thereafter. The man was taken to Firelands Regional Medical Center with minor injuries, authorities said. It's not known if the spider sustained any injuries. (laughs) Knowing spiders, probably not. The man was cited for failure to control, according to police. See, the point is, if we treat our pride like a small problem, it can be something that really causes destruction. Amen? And this pride can cause severe damage to our relationships, our families, and our ministries. And pride, it's like a spiritual sickness. We read in uh, Naaman how he had leprosy, physical leprosy. You could see the patches on his skin. It was uh, kind of disgusting. People probably didn't want to be around him. But uh, it was just this physical sickness, right? In the Jesus Storybook Bible, Sally Lloyd-Jones says, God knew that Naaman was even sicker on the inside than he was on the outside. Naaman was proud. He thought he didn't need God. His heart didn't work properly. It couldn't feel anything. You see, Naaman had leprosy of the heart. God was not only going to heal Naaman's skin, but he was going to heal Naaman's pride. Naaman had both a physical leprosy and a sort of spiritual leprosy. And I want to ask you today, let us check ourselves. Are you suffering from spiritual leprosy? Are you suffering from the sickness of pride? You may be suffering from spiritual leprosy if you think you're always right. If you have trouble admitting your faults or taking the blame. If you often feel like you're the best in the room. The truth is, no one is perfect. You will mess up and you will make mistakes. And when you do, own it. You may have spiritual uh, leprosy if you always need your voice to be heard, if you always need to have the last word. See the funny thing about how God created us, he gave us two ears and just one mouth for a reason. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and listen. It'll save us a lot of embarrassment, too. Number three, you may be suffering from spiritual leprosy. If you look down on those who are struggling, whether it be with sin or maybe in sickness or even uh, someone that's homeless, people who are, if you will, worse off than you. Someone who's had a rougher life, if you came around them, they might smell a little different than you. They may look a little different than you. And you have, if you have this idea that you are somehow better than them because of that, and you kind of don't even want to be around them, you sort of turn your nose up because, oh, I couldn't even, how do people even live like this? Well, you might be suffering from spiritual leprosy. Right. Oh, yeah. The truth is we do not have the right to pass judgment on people. Choosing who deserves God's love and who does not. Right. Saying who is good enough and who is not. That's right. Jesus died for every single one of us, yeah, not, not just the right. select few. Right. 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 And lastly, you may be struggling with spiritual leprosy if you feel like you don't need help from anyone. If other people have a hard time teaching you it might so that you have a pride problem. But we were created to be relational people. Having mentors, close friends, and family around us help us keep our pride in check. Not to mention trusting God and allowing His Word to correct us helps us to grow spiritually every day. When we look closer at physical leprosy, what it can do to us and um, what, what someone with this condition may look like, It's kind of crazy to see how similar it is to maybe what someone who is struggling with pride deals with. But first, in case you don't know, according to WebMD, leprosy is an infectious disease that causes severe, disturbing skin sores and nerve damage in the arms, legs, and skin areas around the body. The disease has been around since ancient times, often surrounded by terrifying negative stigmas and tales of leprosy patients being shunned as outcasts. So when reading about physical leprosies, two things really stood out to me. Number one, leprosy causes nerve damage. And number two, historically lepers were shunned from their communities. If you don't know what nerve damage is, it is exactly what it sounds damage to the nerves, but it can lead to a dangerous loss of feeling. A person with leprosy-related nerve damage may not feel pain when the hands, legs, and feet are cut, burned, or otherwise injured. It, it's, that's really scary because then how do you protect yourself against that if you can't feel it? In the same way, pride can lead to spiritual nerve damage. It will cause you to lose your spiritual sensitivity. When we have pride in our lives, we become numb to correction. We begin to refuse to obey God's word. We think we know better than our pastor when it comes to spiritual matters. No one has the right to tell us anything. We're just good all by ourselves. Spiritual nerve damage is a loss of spiritual sensitivity. Think about that for a second. Why would you ever want to become insensitive to God? Right. Why would you want to have something in your life keeping you from God? And so often we see that happening in our church today, in our world today. We see people that are so full of themselves, and they don't even realize the pain that's causing them. Just like someone with physical leprosy, they don't realize the pain that's causing them. They could have their whole hand severely damaged, but they wouldn't know it because they have nerve damage and can't feel it. Right. How many of us are having our relationships damaged, our ministries damaged, our families damaged, because we're too spiritually insensitive to see that we have a problem. If we have a pride problem, we need to get it fixed. And the second little comparison between physical pride and spiritual pride, the first one was nerve damage, the second one is that uh, they were shunned in ancient times usually usually because of the thought that leprosy was severely contagious. In reality, if you see someone today with leprosy, they're not really that contagious. You would have to, in order to get it, you'd have to come into repeated contact with like, the droplets coming out of their nose and mouth. It's really gross. Um, but most people, you wouldn't just like, see on the street and, ah, leprosy, I can't touch you. It's not that kind of um, contagious. But in ancient times, they were isolated because of it. They were shunned. So pride can also lead to becoming isolated, but instead of being shunned, we're actually the ones that isolate ourselves. Mm -hmm. Think about it. When someone is too dependent on themselves, it makes it very difficult to trust the people around them. They begin to become distant in relationships. They even distance themselves from God. And I say themselves, but I know we've all been there, including me. One who is proud does not easily accept correction, One who is proud does not easily give up control. How can I get spiritually stronger when I think that I'm just fine where I am? How could I ever be able to turn my situation over to God when I've got such a tight grip on it, fighting to keep control? But of course, just like physical leprosy, there is a cure. The cure for spiritual leprosy, the cure for pride, is humility. Pride will cause us to rely on ourselves rather than turning to God. But like we said earlier, we can't purchase or earn what God gives us. We must be humble and rely on him. In James chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, verse 6 says, But he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The instruction's quite clear there. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. We want to be humble. We want to not be proud, but we want to be humble. We want to submit ourselves, resist the devil, and we should be fine. Draw closer to God, and he'll draw closer to us. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5-7, through 7, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Pause right there. That takes a lot of humility just right there. Us younger folks, we like to think that we're always right and that we know what's best, but that is not true. We have so many, especially in this church, we have so many elders, people who have been there before that we just need to listen to. And even if you're not a young person, but maybe you're spiritually um, uh, younger or newer, I encourage you, please listen to those saints who have been through already in their walk with God. Seek someone to mentor you. Seek someone in a life group that can really minister to you and kind of meet you where you are because they've been there before. And let's get back to the verse. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with... Humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Can you think of that for a minute? Being humbled under the mighty hand of God. Literally. Take your hand out and do just like this. Now this is hard to do with the microphone, but take your other hand and go right under it. There you go. Now put your hand on top of each other. Perfect. Okay, now kind of arch it a little bit. Like you have a little pretend imaginary friend in there that's about yay big. There you go. You are that little pretend imaginary friend. The idea of humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God is so powerful. Oh, you guys put your hands away. What are you doing? You got to think about it. It's coming. This will make sense in just a second. The idea of humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God is so powerful. Think about being in between your hands right now. It would be very difficult to stand straight up and put your hands up or anything. You'd kind of have to be crouched. You'd have to be physically humbled or in a lowered position. If, it, if you're under the hand, it'll be hard to see what's going on on the outside all the time. You'll have to trust the one protecting you. You have to trust the one whose hands you're in. And you literally have to humble yourself. Think about it. You'd have to be in a lowered position there. I know you would want to exalt yourself. I know you'd want to have more control. you want to push up against that hand. But don't do it. There's so much patience needed. Just wait. God can see more than you can.
1: All right. That's right.
0: And he's protecting you from stuff you don't even see coming. This isn't the most comfortable position to be in. Being humble is not the most comfortable position to be in. You want so desperately to go higher, to be exalted, and to get your reward. But God is saying, wait. In due time, he will reward you. At the proper time, God will exalt you again. We must choose humility. It will be hard, but we have to reconcile our relationships. We have to admit our faults to each other. We need to choose to do the hard thing and give God full control over every life choice, over every relationship, over every hardship, every sickness, and every day. So I ask you today to please make the decision to get your heart right with God. (laughs) This isn't one of those messages that are just for a select few. This is something that's for all of us, me included. Every one of us struggle with pride at some level, and we need to make sure that we get our hearts right with God every single day. In Second Chronicles 7, verse 14... It says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and, their, and heal their land. We can all stand today. This verse is giving us a promise. It says very clearly, we must humble ourselves. We must pray. We must turn from our wicked ways. And then God tells us he will respond. The first thing we must do today, every single one of us, I don't care how or what part of our spiritual relationship with God we are in, the first thing we must do is repent. That simply means to turn from our wicked ways and instead choose to follow after God. It tells us, or it's us making the decision to say that, God, I'm tired of who I've been. I'm tired of what I've done. I'm tired of this thing I've been struggling with. I need your help. Lord, help me to leave that stuff behind so I can follow you. Right now, if you can lift your hands, begin to lay down every sin, every hurt, every grudge, every doubt, everything that you've been holding on to so tightly. Begin to lay it all down right now. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, this is the perfect day to do so. So many people allow their pride to get in the way of repentance and get in the way of letting them be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But you don't have to be that person today. We will, uh, just like Naaman, we need to swallow our pride and be washed by obedience to the word of God. We need to humble ourselves and make the decision to have our all of our sins washed away. And lastly, some are in here who have not been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. By the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So many times, the only thing that's keeping us from getting the Holy Ghost is our, our, our will, our want to control what's going on. But I ask you to humble yourselves and give God total control. And I tell you, when you finally choose to let go of it all, this is the point where things will change in your life. These altars are open if you want to come up today. God is here today, so let's humble ourselves under his mighty hand. Let's not leave this place until we have allowed our hearts to be changed. These altars are open.